there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Now, I want to speak on the subject satisfied with long life. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 91. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 91. Psalms chapter 91 and verse 16. If we could go there quickly, Psalm chapter 91 and verse 16. The Bible says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. Speak to us. I pray that your word will find a place in our hearts to change and transform every man, every woman who is under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My subject is satisfied with long life. Nobody wants to die young. Nobody wants to die young. It doesn't matter how bad that person is. It doesn't matter how wicked that person is. I don't think they do want to die young. Each and every one of us, we want to live long and fulfill our mission or our purpose or our vision here on earth. One of the things that I have found very difficult to do as a pastor is to conduct a funeral of a child or a funeral of a young person. It's heartbreaking uh, because very little is said about that child. Very little is said about that young person. And I always wonder and imagine what this person or what this child could have become if he or she lived longer. It is heartbreaking to attend such funerals. Every parent here is not in their wish or desire to uh, bury their children. Instead, many parents expect that their children are going to bury them. You see, the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, promises each and every one of us a long life. God wants to satisfy each and every one of us with long life. That's why the Bible says, with long life, I will satisfy him. In other words, it is the desire, it is the plan, it is the purpose, and it is the wish of God that you may not die young, that you may not die prematurely. Because when you're born here on earth, God has a specific assignment for you. And that's why he deposits his gifts, his talents, his abilities inside of you to, uh, to assist you in fulfilling your purpose here on earth. So when you die young, you die with all these treasures inside of you. You die with all these potential gifts, talents, abilities, acumen within you, which will never be explored. It is Miles Munro who said that the richest place on earth is the cemetery or the grave. Because that is a place where a lot of unfulfilled dreams are. Things that we never get to see. Books that were never written. Songs that were never sung. Inventions that never saw the light of day. So he said that that is the richest place on earth. And I believe him. Now, the Bible has people who lived for many years. 
For example, Enoch lived for 365 years. Lamech lived for 777 years. Mahalil lived for 895 years. Enos lived for 905 years. Kenan lived for 910 years. Seth lived for 912 years. Adam lived for 930 years. Noah lived for 950 years. Jared lived for 962 years. Then the legend, Methuselah, lived for 969 years. You can see that these people lived for long. For such a long time. I mean, at, at, at maybe 200 years, that's when you, you feel like a teenager. <laughs> such a long time. But with time, the life expectancy of humans started falling significantly. Genesis chapter 25, verse 7 to 5, the Bible says this is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived. 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. So with time, we are seeing that people's or the lifespan of human beings started reducing. Abraham lived for only 100 and 75 years and then he died. When we get to the book of Psalm chapter 90 and verse 10, David said, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So with time, you can see that our number of days are being reduced as, you know, we progress living in this earth. From 969, we are going down to 175. And then we went down to 70 to 80. So right now, I don't know where we are. Why do we have this trend in the world where we are seeing that people are no longer living, you know, for many years in, in, in the world that we live in? We have several factors. For example, we have environmental degradation. We have toxins and pollution from industries and vehicles. I mean, sometimes you drive on the road and you can't even see the road because the car in front of you is really smoky, isn't it? We have industries all over the place, toxins in the air. The food that we consume is not also not very, very healthy. Now we have a lot of junk food, which is very cheap, fast and cheap. I mean, you just drive in by and drive out and you're gone. How we grow our food has really, really changed as well. The fertilizers that we use and all these things that we use to grow our food. Skumawiki is no longer as safe as it was many years ago. Isn't it? Because they plant skumawiki on, on sewage. Mercy Lord. There's a time they tested, I think, skumawiki and so it has a lot of lead. 
And lead is dangerous for your body. Just in this city. Not everything that looks green is nice for your body. And so all these things are contributing to, you know, us dying young or prematurely. It compromises our immune system. Look at the spring chicken. Chicken that is forced to grow very, very fast. A study was done in Nairobi and they realized that young children are now becoming resistant to antibiotics. Because they were injecting the chickens, these spring chickens, with ARVs. So when you eat them and then you, you have a problem and you swallow antibiotics, it becomes a problem because your body is so used, you know, to that type of medication. And so it becomes difficult, you know, for you to treat diseases in your body. It's, it's what we eat. They say what you eat will eventually eat you up. All right? Another factor is high poverty levels, which contribute to lack of quality life. There is life and there is quality life. So poverty levels can also make it so difficult for you to live for long because you are full of problems, stress, challenges. You don't sleep very well. In fact, many of us, we don't sleep very well because we think about money. Tell your neighbor it's true. Look at your neighbor's eyes. Are they red? Do they look like they had enough sleep? People sleep for two hours, three hours, four hours. The rest of the night, they're worried, thinking about money, thinking about how they can elevate their families, thinking about how they can go out there and work and take their children to school. Poverty levels are killing us. That's why you see in Africa, we don't have very old people. Tell your neighbor, it's because we are poor. Isn't it true? Yes, it's true. Relationships is another factor. And psychological challenges. Stress in matters concerning love. Your heart has been broken 50 times. Boss, getting to 70 might not be easy. You are disappointed in relationships. You've tried to get married 10 times. It's not working. It's not good for you. It's not good for your health. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Please, can you talk to me this morning? Or, you, or are you stressed? <laughs> Tell your neighbor, let's have a conversation with pastor. Look at our radio stations. They are always solving love problems. Huh? Patanisho? Which doctors are promising you that if you go and see them, your husband will never leave you. They'll give you something, they'll give you something you put in his food or put under the bed or under the pillow. And the day you take that thing and put in the food, your husband slaps you. <laughs> he becomes hostile. These things kill people. I'm telling you, they kill people because you can't settle. You have psychological issues. You are tormented in your mind. Your emotions are, are unstable. And so you are not at rest at all. You see, love is supposed to be a beautiful thing. 
Yet most of us, if not all of us, the cause of your injury, <laughs> heart, can be traced to love. Mm -hmm. If you can't say amen, just say mm. Poor Medicare. We don't have good hospitals. We don't have access to quality medicine or medication. A lot of people cannot afford a good, a good doctor. That's why people don't go to hospital because they don't have money, you know, to go to hospital. You know, the other day I was in the hospital. I had taken my mom to the hospital. Um, and I met this gentleman and he was talking to me. Uh, you know, when I go to the hospital, most of the time, because I'm wearing glasses, people think I'm a doctor. <laughs> so they stop me a lot. And they ask me a lot of questions. So I just decided to flow with it. So when somebody stops me, I stop. And I listen to them. The doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and they explain all their problems. To me. So this, this gentleman was talking to me and he was telling me, I came here three weeks ago and I was supposed to do a test. And when I calculated the test, it was going to cost me 5,000 shillings. So I didn't do the test. So I went to look for the money. And when you look at the person, the person is frail. It's like the situation cannot wait. But because of not having money here, to go and look for 5,000, so he was telling me, I have come with the money. Now I want to be treated. And he was asking me what to do as a doctor. <laughs> so you can see, you can see that that guy, I, I mean, I looked at that guy and I saw the masses of God. If it was not for God, that guy could have passed on without treatment. Do you get what I'm talking about? So poor medication, poor, you know, the inability to access good medication or treatment can also contribute you know, to people dying early or prematurely. Then high levels of illiteracy. Very high levels of illiteracy. Where people are full of myths and misconceptions about many, many things. They believe too much in witchcraft, sorcery, wizardry. They don't believe in common sense. They don't partly believe in science. When somebody is sick, they say, this one has been bewitched. When someone, someone is having typhoid, they say he has been bewitched. When somebody is having malaria, they say he has been bewitched. And so they take the person to a witch doctor instead of taking the person to a doctor for him to be treated. And the person ends up dying. So all these and many others, uh, which you know, contribute to this trend that we see, you know, Today. Now, research reveals that countries with high life expectancy is because of quality life. The countries that have high life expectancy is because of quality life. Such countries have an average life of 80 to 90 years. In other words, you are likely to meet an 80-year-old man on the street, in your neighborhood, in the church, in shopping malls, or entertainment joints. 
There are countries that I've visited, and when I go to the theater to watch a movie, I find 90-year-olds there. They are also watching movies, and they are laughing, enjoying themselves. When I'm going to buy popcorn, they are also buying popcorns, drinking Coca-Cola, enjoying life. 90-year-olds, and many of them, not just one, many of them, on the streets, they are there. Some of them work in the aviation industry. Some of them are security guards. And you find them there. Some of them are in hotels and they're working. When you look at them and you ask them, what is your age? They tell you, I've just turned 90. I'm 85. And you go to other countries. You don't see such people. You know those countries. You live in one. Very rare to find those kind of people. And when you go to countries that have a low life expectancy, you realize that even to find somebody who is 70, wow, it's a blessing. Now, most of the world's shortest life expectancies occur in Africa, where diseases, malnutrition, civil wars, political instability, poor governance, and huge socioeconomic disparity have taken a tremendous toll on human life. Of the, 21, of the 29 countries where life expectancy at birth is 50 years or less, 28 are in Africa. Data from various research agencies put Kenya's life expectancy between 60 and 65. I think you didn't understand what I said. Let me repeat again. Data from various research agencies put Kenya's life expectancy between 60 and 65 years for men and 60 to 70 years for women. So that means if you're in Kenya and you cross 65, you should thank God. Because there, was, there is already a prediction you might not cross 65 because of the prevailing circumstances within which you live. If you are a woman and you cross 70, you should thank God because a prediction has already been made. They have done their research. They have sampled people. They have looked at the deaths that are happening in the country and they have come with an average conclusion of the life expectancy in Kenya. For men, it's between 60 and 65. For women, it's between 65 and and 70. That's why when you hear me prophesying and declaring that you will cross 70 with ease, don't take it lightly. Because already there is a prediction on your life. After many, many, you know, cases have been studied, there is a prediction. And as men, you can see that even as the, our cutoff, our cutoff line is even lower than that for the women. 65 for men. Meet 65-year-olds who are men. And most of them, you can see that they are, they are. There's a lot of wear and tear. Isn't it? A lot of wear and tear, I'm telling you. And that's why we have to believe God for long life. Amen. Today I came to preach to you about long life. That despite all these predictions and research, the word of God promises that with long life, I will satisfy you. 
I pray that God satisfy every man under the sound of my voice with long life. May God satisfy every woman under the sound of my voice with long life. Give somebody high five and tell them you will live and declare the mighty works of God. I prophesy over every man you will cross 70 with ease. I prophesy over every woman you will cross 70 with ease. You will cross 80 with ease. You will cross 90 with ease. Shout a louder amen. So what are the keys to long life? Number one. Because we have to go somewhere else and look for keys that can prolong our life. Are we together somebody? Because the prediction is already there. The research has been made. A report has been written. And it is proven. It is scientifically proven. So we have to go somewhere else for us to be able to cross 60 as men, cross 70 as women, and claim the promise that we see in Psalm chapter 91, that with long life, God is going to satisfy us. Key number one, you must fear the Lord. If you want long life, you have to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord has been lost. That's why people joke around with God. We have even comedians who joke about God. It's because they have lost the fear, you know, of God. The latest joke that we have in this country is the Jesus from Tongarin. With all these two women who are called angels. And he calls himself Jesus. But he refused to be crucified during Easter, isn't it? It's, it's our latest joke. And I, and I look at him and I feel sorry for him. Because he has lost the fear of God. Now, fearing the Lord means to be in reverent awe of his holiness. Fearing God means giving him complete reverence and honor. You honor him as the God of great glory, majesty, purity, and power. It is an attitude of reverence, an attitude of respect, and not outright terror. You reverence God. You honor God. You take God as he is, full of power, full of glory, full of majesty, full of purity. You take God as he is. Hallelujah. There's another scripture that describes God as a terrible God. You realize that God can do anything. He's a sovereign God. He can do anything, including calling you home. Are you, are you hearing what I'm talking about? Yeah, he can just say, okay, today, come. And, and you're gone. So we have to reverence God and we have to fear God. Because if we don't fear God, let me tell you, we are shortening our lifespan here. Ananias did not fear God and when he went to church, he died. Sapphira did not fear God. When she went to church, she died. And the Bible says, when you read that story, the Bible says, and the fear of God came back to the church. So that means the fear of God can leave the church. Yeah. Believers are congregating, but they don't have the fear of God. They live the way they want. They do what they want. They are full of carnality. On Friday, I was talking about carnality. They don't obey the laws of God. They have become religious in the house of God. They don't fear God. They don't realize that God is a God of judgment as much as he's a God of love. When we fear God, we reverence him and we give him his proper respect. We give him his proper respect. We give him his distance. We know that this is God and then us, we are here. 
We don't say God is here, we are also here. No, we say God is here as we are where? We are here. We are nothing. We are clay. He is supreme. He is great. He is a wonderful God. And so we fear him. Whatever he says, we take it seriously. If he says no to something, we also say no to it. If he says we do something, we, we do it wholeheartedly. But if we play around, let me tell you, we are shortening our lives. And that's why we see many people dying in the church. Not because the devil is against them, but because they lost the fear of God. And if you die, we will bury you. And life goes on. And then you get to heaven, God will tell you, by the way, it's not the devil who killed you, I'm the one who killed you. Because you lost the fear of God in the church. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 27, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord prolongs days. The fear of the Lord prolongs days. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. So when you're wicked, you are sinful, you don't obey the word of God, you don't follow God's scriptures, or God's commandments rather, which are in his word, the scriptures, let me tell you, you are shortening your life. And I'm preaching this message to all of us here to realize that if we are not careful, ladies and gentlemen, some of you are going to be buried before your time. If we play church, we play with God's word, we play with God's commandments, we don't honor God, yet we come to church. We don't honor God, yet we appear in his presence. Let me tell you, we are shortening our lives. We have to be serious with God. We have to walk in purity. We have to honor him. We have to stand in awe of him. We have to tremble in his presence. Because the Bible says the fear of God prolongs. Prolongs days. And I hear an amen in this church. Hallelujah. You can't sleep around and still come to church. You have to stop it. It's like you don't fear God. You can lie and steal and still come to church. You have to stop it. Amen. You can't beat your wife and still come to church. You have to stop it. If you continue, we'll bury you. And your wife will marry somebody else who will love her. And take good care of her while you are turning in the grave. And you can't come out. I am telling you the truth. I have to tell you the truth because it's the truth that you know that will set you free. You have to be serious. Honor God. Fear God. Respect God. Give God his place in your life. You are not God. You are a creature created by God. Honor him and fear him. Respect him and just give him his space. Let him be God in your life. Whatever he says, do it. Obey him. And I'll talk about obedience as well. Let's fear the Lord. Look at them and tell them, let's fear the Lord. Many Christians are casual with God. Very, very casual with God. Very, very casual with his word. Very, very casual with his commandments. They don't fear him. They don't fear his presence. They appear before him casually. They just appear before him the way they want. They live the way they want and still come. Serve God. Preach. Sing. Play the keyboard. Play drums. Usher people in the church, teach the children. You are handling clean things with dirty hands. Look, wickedness will shorten your life. Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? Hallelujah. I know some of you are wondering, what did pastor eat in Eswatini? I ate the word and I came to teach you the word. Hallelujah. The sons of Eli died because they did not fear the Lord. They died. 
Because they did not fear the Lord. Just like that died. Because they did not fear the Lord. We have to fear God. We have to honor God. We have to reverence God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's honor him. Let's cleanse ourselves. Let's change our ways. Let's respect God. Let God have his place in our hearts. Hallelujah. Let him know that we fear him and we honor him. And he will prolong our days. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear louder amen? Jesus told us to partake the Holy Communion, which is a practical thing that we do, an ordinance that instills the fear of the Lord in us. He told us, I want you to do this thing. And as you do this thing, I want you to know that every time you're doing it, you remember me. And remembering me means that you will fear me, you will honor me, you will reverence me. That's what Jesus was saying. So partake of the Holy Communion as many times as you can. Because as you are doing that, you remember me, you remember me, you remember me, you remember me. And as you remember me, you fear me, you reverence me, you worship me. And Paul warns that if the ordinance is not treated with reverence, this is what will happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27. The Bible says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, look at the last part. Can we read together? For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep dead. When we don't honor the Lord, when we don't fear the Lord, we become weak. Many are weak, number one, weak in the body. You have mysterious diseases which are not being treated. You're just weak and nobody can explain your weakness. Your joints are weak, your bones are weak, your head is weak, your mind is weak, your emotions are weak, everything about you is weak. You are like spaghetti. Have you ever seen spaghetti? That's how you are. You're just weak and it's because you have refused to Fear the Lord. Then the Bible says many are sick. Sickly, we pray for you. We anoint you. We sit on you. We put a handkerchief on you. Everything. But you are still sick. You see, if the devil is the reason for your sickness, we have someone to go to. And that is God to intercede for us. But if God is the one who allows it to come to your, to, to your life, where do we go? Who do we contract to come and help us deal with your sickness? And then Paul says, many are asleep, they are dead. Why? Because they refused to fear God. Let's fear God. I say let's fear God. How many want to live for long? Let's fear God. Let's fear his word. Let's tremble at his word. Hallelujah. Oh yes, let's tremble at his word. Let's give God his rightful place in our life. Whatever he says, let us obey and follow it. That's why you see, you see, you see, you know sometimes when you read some scripture, you, you just think, what is God trying to say here? I will rebuke the devour. Do you know what devouring is? Devouring is distraction. He says, if you do not type, the devourer will come. What is the work of a devourer? It's to destroy and if he gets a chance to kill you, he'll kill you. 
So you have to take the word of God seriously. Fear God. Whatever God says, take it seriously. And follow it to the end. Fear him. And your days will be prolonged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. So longevity is the function of the fear of the Lord. Number two. Remember I told we have to go somewhere else for us to be able to prolong our lives. Because factors are against us. The prediction is already out there. So we have to go somewhere else. Where is this place? This is the word of God. Number two. If you are going to prolong your life, if God is going to satisfy you with long life, you have to retain God's word in your life or in your heart. You have to retain God's word in your life or in your heart. You know, I've attended sometimes CMGs and when it comes to discussions and people are asked questions, sometimes you wonder if those people were in the service. Somebody answers a question that he was asked about a sermon that he attended. And the way he answers, you get surprised. You get surprised. It's like that person was not in the service, yet that person was in the service. It's because we hear the word of God, but we don't retain the word of God. One of the greatest challenges I've seen as a pastor is to make sure people remember what you have preached. Because people don't remember what you have preached. People don't even remember what you have taught them in T-Track. They don't remember. They don't remember what they learn in Activate. They don't remember what they learn in Connect. They don't remember what they learn in Transform. They don't remember what they learn in Pastors from the Pews. One time one of the pastors, I asked the pastor to go and uh, conduct a funeral. And he had gone through Pastors from the Pews. Then he called me and he asked me, can you give me notes for burial? I told him, it is in the pastors from the, book, pastors from the pews book. He said, really? I said, yes. Where is it? It's our retention that is poor. We don't retain God's word in our lives. We hear the word of God, but as soon as we leave, we become, leaky uh, we become leaky vessels. The word that we have received begins to leak and leak and leak and leak and leak until we don't even have it anymore in our lives. Retaining God's word is one of the things that will keep you from dying prematurely. Christians must come to a place where they retain the word of God. It is not just enough for you to attend a service like this and enjoy the message and get blessed and shout amen and stand and clap your hands and then go home and forget you know what you have had it is time for you to receive the word retain the word and let the word become part and parcel of your life you have to assimilate the word in your life because it's the word that brings life amen you see god's word is life say that with me god's word is life say it again God's word is life. Say it again. God's word is life. Say it again. God's word is life. Everybody say it. God's word is life. So if you don't have the word of God in you, you don't have life. His word is life to your spirit, to your soul, and to your body. When you ingest the word of God and you retain the word of God inside of you, it brings life to you. Matthew chapter 4. And verse 4, the Bible says, man 
shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is the, is the word of God that keeps you going. It is the word of God that brings life to your mortal bodies. It is the word of God that brings life to your soul and to your spirit. So you have to make sure that you live by the word. Because the word of God is the source of life. If you don't have the word of God, let me tell you. Your days are numbered. You have to retain the word. You have to keep the word inside of you. A life devoid of God's word is disconnected from the source of life. Let's run to Deuteronomy chapter 11. I show you something here very powerful. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 18. Tell your neighbor I'm getting blessed. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart. Somebody shout heart. And in your soul, somebody shout soul. And bind them as a sign on your hand. Somebody say hand. So the word should be in your heart. The word should be in your soul. And the, the word should be in your hand. It should, it should saturate your life. It should be around you. It's in your heart. It's in your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It should be in your hands. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand. And there shall be, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That means you even keep the word in between your eyes. Praise the Lord. Ladies, as you are shaping your eyebrows, make sure the word is in between there. The word should be on the frontlets. In between your eyes. Then look at verse 19. You shall teach them. So it is in your heart. It is in your soul. It is in your hands. It is in between your eyes. And then you go a step further. And do what? And teach them. To your children. Not cartoons teaching your children. It's the word of God teaching your children. Teach them to your children. Speaking of them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So that means you are filled with God's word, but also your house is filled with God's, house, God's word. Your home is filled with God's word. Around you, the word of God is there. Within you, the word of God is there. Where you live, the word of God is there. In your children, the word of God is there. Your children are talking about God's word. You are talking about God's word. You, in the background, the word of God is there. And it says, can we go deeper? Verse 20. And you shall do what? Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Ask your neighbor, what is that poster on your gate? You only have one sign, isn't it? Trespassers which shall be prosecuted. Or umbuakali. You need to add a scripture there. You need to write scriptures on the door. Posts of your door. Hallelujah. So that when your children turn around, they can read a scripture. They don't just see the picture of Kofi Olomide. 
But they see scriptures. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your mind. And with all your soul. Hmm. Now, when you do that, this is what the Bible says in verse 21. When the word is in you, in your heart, in your soul, in your hand, this is what is going to happen. That your days, can we read together? That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. Your days will be multiplied and the days of your children will be multiplied as well. Hallelujah. You will see a first generation, second generation, third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation, sixth generation because of the word of God. You have retained the word of God inside of you. Can I hear louder? Amen. I want to see my grandchildren. I want to see my great-great-grandchildren. I want to see my great-great-great-great-grandchildren. But it will never happen if we don't retain the word of God. Hallelujah. This is our month of growing our faith. But we can never grow our faith without the word of God. We have to fill our lives with the word of God. We have to abuse the faith of our children with the word of God. So that when you tell your child, I want you to pray and believe God that he will provide this for you. That child will go to God in faith. Not out of frustration. Is the word that elongates our lives. Hallelujah. That's what I've been telling you. Have my podcast. Listen to someone's. Go to YouTube. Listen to someone's. And I keep on saying this, but Christians listen to me, but they don't do it. Ask your neighbor, do you do it? I've been challenging you. Listen for, to, to my sermon one day, two days, three days, four days. Listen at least every day. Listen to a sermon. And see how your faith will be built. And see how you will feel better. And see how you will feel stronger. When you're going to work, instead of listening to rubbish from the FM stations, listen to a sermon. It will build your faith. It will elongate your life. Because sometimes when you go to the radio and listen to what they are saying, I mean, you feel like dying. Because you realize the world is not our home. So many issues, so many challenges, so many problems in the world. No good news. It's high time you retain the word of God. Hallelujah. Where are the days where we used to memorize scriptures? We have left scripture memory to our children, Sunday school children. Say scripture memory. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 to 25. Uh -huh. And you, you can't remember. When the child is struggling, you, you are referring to the Bible. Because you don't even know where it is. Ask your neighbor, what has happened to us? But sing a secular song. See the way you come alive. And you sing the song word by word. As if Beyonce is your relative. It is high time. It is high time, I say. I say it is high time. We retain the word of God in our spirits. It is high time we retain the word of God in our hearts. Because the word of God is the source of life. Amen. Can I hear an amen? 
Number three. I will not finish today. I'll continue next Sunday. Number three is obedience. Somebody say obedience. Say it again. Obedience. You see, disobedience will usually make your life complicated and difficult. And look, I've seen it. People who are disobedient, their lives are complicated and their lives are difficult. You tell somebody to do something and they don't do it. Their lives become complicated. And their lives become very, very difficult. And I don't know how I can really emphasize this. Because many of us, we can't even take instructions. We can't even take counsel. Nobody can tell you anything. Nobody can correct you. Nobody can advise you. That's why your life is complicated. And you have so many problems. You dress smart to cover your problems, but they are still there. Yeah. You buy expensive perfumes to try and kill the stench of your problems, but they are still there. Because you are so stubborn. Your life is complicated and difficult and hard. Thorns and thistles have risen against you. How will you cross 70 with all those thorns around you? With all thistles around you, how will you cross 60? Your life is already complicated. It is upside down. Even you, you don't even understand what is going on in your life because of disobedience. There's no clarity. There's no vision. There's no stability. There's no joy. There's no peace because of disobedience. You can't follow simple instructions. Stubborn Christian. Stubborn sister. Stubborn brother. Hard heart. Big head. The head is the size of an elephant. Riswa. <laughs> Nobody can tell you anything. Look, when you get to a place where nobody can talk to you, just know you are on your way to the grave. If you have nobody that can talk to you, you know sometimes when I am trying to solve some problems, I always ask, who can listen to this person? Who can listen to this person? Who can listen to this man? Or who can this man rather listen to? Let me rephrase. Who can this woman listen to? Because when you talk to the person, it's like the person does not follow what you're saying. So you ask yourself, who is the person that this person can be able to listen to? Maybe that person can be able to help that person. Because if you don't have anybody that you can listen to, you can take instructions from. You are on your way to the grave. This is not your favorite preacher. This is a preacher that tells you the truth. I didn't come to massage your ego. I came to preach to you so that you may live for long. I want to see you here for a long time. I want to see you when you are 80, when you are 90. I want to see you here. So I cannot massage you. I have to tell you the truth. Disobedience will kill you. Faster than you think. Lucifer. When he was disobedient, he was kicked out of heaven. A place where we are trying to go. We are fighting to get there. How many here want to go to heaven? 
Is it a place you want to be kicked out of? Everybody is trying to go to heaven. That's why we are praying. That's why we are, hey. Hmm. Some of you, when you travel, you repent before you travel. Father, you know I'm going to Machakos. Father, if there's anything in my heart that grieves you, forgive me. Because you, you don't know if you'll arrive or not. Am I saying the truth or am I not saying the truth? We are all trying to get to heaven, yet somebody there, because of his, disob his disobedience, was kicked out of that place. Dathan, Korah, and Abiram, read in the book of Numbers, they were buried alive because of disobedience. The Bible says the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their household and all their possessions because of disobedience. Absalom, a very handsome guy, articulate, full of influence. His hair was, mm, hmm, hmm. They used to cut it and sell it. Cut his hair and sell it. You, if they cut your hair, can they sell it? Do you even have hair? Let's start from there. I'm not saying the one you bought. Your original hair. Handsome guy. Good looking. The Bible says there's nobody who was looking like Absalom. Everything was in place. I'm telling you, people can be handsome. And some ladies can be beautiful. You think you're handsome. Until you meet somebody who is handsome like Absalom. Until you start blushing. Very promising. With leadership skills. He convinced 200 men. To go against David. He even compromised. David's own counselor. And he followed him. Chief advisor. In the palace. And he followed him. Convinced musicians. <laughs> the band, to blow trumpets all over Israel. Look at how this guy had organizational skills. But because of disobedience, he died. I believe, I might be wrong, but I believe this guy was going to be the next king. Because by that time, Solomon had not been born. He had every quality anybody would look for to appoint somebody to become a leader. But because of his disobedience, he died prematurely. Disobeyed his father. Went against his father. Rebelled against his father's commands. Even later on when his father is bringing him back, the guy was not remorseful. The father refused to see him for one year to see if the guy can be remorseful. He did not change. Until he's pleading just to appear before his father. He's sending emissaries to go and talk to the father to see if his heart can just you know, uh, be soft towards him. Eventually, when his father welcomed him, huh, the guy still had not changed. He was full of disobedience. And because of that, he died. He died a painful death. 
suspended a tree. Imagine it's a tree that arrested him, not even human beings. You can see that when you walk in disobedience, even the trees are against you. The grass is against you. Nature is against you. You till the ground is against you. You go and work in an office, it is against you because of disobedience. How will you survive? You swallow Panadol, it refuses to work in your body because of disobedience. The tree arrested him, suspended him in the air. Huh? And the mule he was riding on refused to stop to save him. It kept going. It was also trying to save its life. And the guy was left there hanging. And you know his story. He died. And he was buried immediately on, with, with, with stones, I'm telling you. Nobody wanted to hear anything about Absalom. Disobedience will kill you. First Kings chapter 3. Solomon. He comes and he offers a burnt offering to the Lord. Then the Lord appears to him and the Lord tells him, Solomon, you've really touched my heart. Oh, Solomon. I can see the burnt offering. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's expensive. It's a lot and it's rising to me. I can see your heart. You're an honest, genuine man. And I'm enjoying this worship that you're bringing to me. Solomon, ask anything that you want. Because you've really ravished my heart, Solomon. And Solomon begins to ask God for understanding. He, did, he was not greedy. There were days he was greedy, but this day he was not greedy. Later on he was greedy. That's why he had a thousand women. A man who has a thousand women is a greedy man. He doesn't want other men to have women. He was not greedy. He said, God, give me understanding. The understanding I need is to lead these people. An understanding how to judge people and to discern between good and evil. When you look at from verse 10 to 14, we pick up the story. Let's read together. First Kings, verse 10. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Only understanding and discernment. Verse 11. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself. Because God expected that he will ask for long life. He will ask for riches. Because you've not asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourselves, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Verse 12. God says, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Verse 13. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. Sometimes when I hear people say that you are rich because of Illuminati, I realize they don't understand the word of God. God can make you rich. I say God can make you rich and wealthy. May God make you rich in the name of Jesus. I say may God make you rich in Jesus' name. 
And then he says, verse 14, this is what I want you to get. So if you walk in my ways, in other words, if you're obedient to me, Solomon, riches is not a problem. Wealth is not a problem. But there's one thing I want to ask of you, Solomon. If you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will do what? I will do what? Shout it. I will lengthen your days. If you just obey me, if you just obey my word, if you walk in obedience, Solomon, I will lengthen your days. I will make sure that you cross 70 with ease, 80 with ease, 90 with ease, 100 with ease. If you obey my commandments. But did he obey the commandments of the Lord? No. Solomon died prematurely. Because when he was old, started having all these types of women. Picked women, one woman from Kitui, another one from Oyugis, another one from Chogoria, another one from Uganda, another one from Rwanda, another one from Tanzania, another one from, mention your village. Huh? Another one from Nyangori. And as these women were coming to Solomon, they were coming with their gods. And the Bible says his heart turned away from the Lord. He forgot what God said here. He said, if you walk, I will lengthen your days. I believe Solomon should not have died the time he died. If he only followed the Lord, his lifespan could have been extended. That's why I'm telling you, obedience will lengthen the number of your days. Obey God. Obey God when it comes to serving him. Serve him. He says you shall serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. He will remove sicknesses from your midst. The number of your days you shall fulfill. It is a promise of obeying him. Obey him by giving your tithes and your offerings faithfully. He says I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Oh yes, all nations will call you blessed. Obey. Look at your neighbor and just tell them, obey, obey, obey. Look, I can prophesy a long life, but if you're not walking in obedience, you will still die. Prematurely. You can travel and go to Nigeria for somebody to wash you with oil. But if you're walking in obedience, your life will still be cut short. You can take your picture to another prophet who sleeps on pictures as he prays the whole night. But if you're walking in obedience, disobedience rather, you will still die prematurely. That's what God says here. Are we together, ladies and gentlemen? Look, I didn't come to massage you. I came to tell you the truth. Because I want you to live for long. There is a lot we need to do together. We need to plant churches. We need to send missionaries. We need to go to the 47 counties of this country and plant and build churches. We will never do that if we are weak, if we are sickly, and if some of us are dead. Father, I pray I'll grow old with these people. 
Because from today they are walking in obedience. In the name of Jesus. I, re- I, I really, you see, when I was preparing this message, I really desire to see how you will look when you are old. Pastor Dennis, I really want to see how you will look when you are old. With all this gray hair. And you stand here. Oh yes. Tell your neighbor, I want to see how you will look when you are old. I just want to see. Oh yes. I want to see how you will look. I don't want to attend your funeral when you are 40 or 30 or 25. I want to come when you are old. Tell your neighbor, don't leave us yet. Slap your neighbor and tell them you're not leaving in the name of Jesus. We want you here. As your pastor, I want you here. I want you here for a long time. I want to see you for a long time. Hallelujah. This is our generation. We need to live and make sure that we are full of days. The Bible says Abraham was full of days. We need to live until we are full of days before we leave. But it will never happen if we walk in disobedience. Tell your neighbor I will not bury you young. In Jesus name. One more and then we pray. It's prayer. Prayer elongates your days. When you pray, you live for long. Oh, yes. Look, this will make you run here every Tuesday to pray. In the evening. When you pray, God will satisfy you with long life. Because long life is the desire for everybody. Mm -hmm. Psalms chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. The Bible says, let's run there quickly. The king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord. And in your salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Verse 2. You have given him his heart's desire. You have given the king his heart's desire. And have not withheld the request of his lips. You have answered his prayer. Verse 3. For you meet him with the blessing of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. Verse 4. He asked life. Look at the prayer that the king made. He asked life from you. And you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. When the king came and asked God for long life, God granted that prayer. So prayer also elongates the number of your days here on earth. When you pray and you tell God, God, may I cross 60, may I cross 70, may I cross 80, let me tell you, God will grant the desire of your heart. That's how powerful prayer is. But how many Christians pray in an average church? You will be surprised. Very few. 
Many, many churches, the prayer meetings are the least attended meetings in those churches, including this church. Sunday, you'll have a crowd. Tuesday, you don't have a crowd. People don't pray. If you don't pray, how will you live for long? The king here asked God. He was praying. He asked. It was his heart's desire. And he asked, say, God, lengthen my days. And the Bible says God answered that prayer. Huh? He asked life from God. He asked life from you. And you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. When you pray for length of days, God is obligated to answer you. May God answer your prayer for long life in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, including long life, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we shall have petitions that we have asked of him. When we ask him, he will do it. When we ask him, he will answer us. That's why we have to pray. Amen. Look, you have to pray. You see, when you pray, you are invoking supernatural power to work on your behalf. Amen. Yeah. Yesterday, I just saw there's an accident that has taken place somewhere around Voy. People have died. The other day, it was a school bus, I think. We're just dying. You have to pray. Hallelujah. You have to pray. Because sometimes you are boarding a bus and you don't know the driver has some intentions. The driver has gotten to the end of life and he says, I'm not dying alone. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. It's like some few years ago, I don't know if it happens now, some few years ago when HIV was really, really a scary disease. There were people who when they discovered that they had, they said, I'm not dying alone. And they became generous. And they spread the thing like bushfire. I heard of a story, I don't know how true it is, in a particular university. Another lady, before she died, she wrote names of the people that she has also infected. And before she died, she went and pinned that paper somewhere for everybody to see. So people used to go, you, you, you check your name. <laughs> because there are people who have evil intentions. Yeah, evil intentions. You bought a matter. The driver has an evil intention. He doesn't want to die alone. He has reached the end. The wife has left him. Things are not working. Life is hard. Now he's thinking of suicide. Then he decides, how can I die? Let me die in style. Let me die with some people. You board a plane. The pilot has different intentions. Then you are not praying. You're just living a casual life. I'm telling you. If you're not careful, you go. That's why you have to pray. You have to pray and invoke supernatural power. And God in his own wisdom can even make you not board that matatu. In his own wisdom can make it 
can, can, can make sure that you don't even board the plane. In his own wisdom, he can cause something. You know, one day we were flying from one city to another. And I, I, I remember when we were trying to... Because we were supposed to go to... I was actually connecting flights. We were, we were trying to connect flights. And we go to this city and the plane delayed. So we went and asked, why is the plane delayed? They say there's something we're working on, we're working on. And as soon as we... We are done, we'll let you know. So later on, they came clean and they told us, look, the crew that was supposed to be in that plane, they didn't give us details. But they told us, the crew, the crew, the people who work in the plane, were not fit to fly the plane. I just lifted up my hands and said, Lord, thank you. I can even stay here until tomorrow. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh yes, that's why you have to pray. Tell your neighbor you have to pray. Because when you pray, you invoke supernatural power. And God is able to thwart the enemy's plan against your life. If the enemy was planning to take you out, God is able to shield you. Supernatural. And sometimes you will not even know. You will not even know that God has saved you. I pray that may you become a prayerful believer, prayerful man, prayerful woman. That you may be kept from danger. You may be kept from premature death. In the name of Jesus. Slap your neighbor and tell them it's time to pray. Did you slap your neighbor? Slap your neighbor and tell them it is time to pray. That's why you should show up for a prayer meeting. Pray. Because there are so many things you don't see. That when you pray God will save you from. Unseen forces. Unseen dangers. Unseen powers that are after you. When you pray. God has a way of just shielding you. May you be protected. May you be shielded. As you pray, may you be shielded from the enemy's plan. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's what the Bible says. But it takes prayer to activate that protection over your life. Amen. Let's turn to our feet. I'll continue from here. You will live long. You will survive. You will cross 70 with ease. You cross 80 with ease. You cross 85 with ease. You cross 90 with ease. Shout aloud, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.